0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
1: Today's show is brought to you by Prosper. With Prosper, you can borrow money for just about anything you want. Prosper is the better way to get the cash you need at a low interest rate. To check your low interest rate instantly without affecting your good credit, go to prosper.com forward slash bad christian.
2: You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast.
0: What's up, Hellraisers? This is Matt. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast let me paint a picture for you. This is what I this is what I envision you guys are going through as I am. It's between Christmas and New Year's. You're at home. Your email box is empty. Your voicemails, your text message, nothing's blowing up at all except for some really annoying group text around the holidays. And you go to your podcast app and it's empty. It's dry. There's nothing new. All your favorite shows have taken the end of the year off. Yeah, that's what's happened to me. I'm, I'm in the doldrums searching old episodes of shows I like and looking for new shows. Well, guess what? We're still here. We ain't missing nothing. We ain't rebroadcasting nothing. We're putting out new stuff twice a week because we care. Or, or not because we care, because we figure if we're the only one with a new podcasts, we'll get, like, shitload of downloads. But... I I guess more than now that I think about it, I imagine that other people have probably tried that and realized that, you know, nobody's listening to podcasts this time of year. So probably next year we'll take a break, you know, starting around Thanksgiving or so. But for this year, we're cranking away. And I guess for that matter, it may be the worst time possible. You would think it'd be the worst time possible to announce the Emery shows with Devin in Texas in late January and put them on sale. Yeah, we're doing Acoustic Evening with Devin. Me, Toby, Devin. We're gonna. It's going to be great. We're going to play a bunch of Emory songs. The tickets are on sale now at emoryacoustic.com. You can go back and listen a couple episodes ago and see uh, what, what it is that I'm talking about. Or go to Emory, emoryacoustic.com and, and watch the video. It may be a, a bad idea to put tickets on sale now. But guess what? is not. The tickets have been on sale for about 24 hours and they're over half sold out, which is quite overwhelming to be honest. So very happy about this experiment. Go to emoryacoustic.com, find out what I'm talking about. But I'm blown away so far. So thank you guys. We can't wait to do those shows. It's going to be something special indeed. Our guest today is Seth and David Taylor. They've written a couple of books, one called My Pilgrimage and Feels Like Redemption. Uh, I don't think I can explain it here in the intro, nor do I have the time, but this interview is compelling, and I'd have to tell you the truth. I enjoyed it very much, and I'm not going to describe the interview because I, I don't have time, but it's good. I really enjoyed it. So, hang around for the episode. Thank you for tuning in at the end of the holidays here, folks. So, let's get going. Do it.
1: In the new year, three, two, one, hit it, Joey. We're in the new year. <laughs> we're going to have no fear. <laughs> I am excited to do the
3: podcast. Right
0: Welcome to the podcast. I suppose we're doing video and stuff now. I don't know what we're going to do with this, but we're actually capturing video, which is very cool. I'm much more enjoying seeing you guys. I can, I can see what's yep, going on. Me too. And your garage is looking great, by the way. So <laughs> what we're basically really thinking is that we're doing, um, we'll start putting this up for the BC Club at least. I'm not saying we're going to do all video all the time and every episode. Yep. We'll have video But everything we can get That looks good That works at all We'll go ahead and try To throw it to the BC Club So Love it Join the BC Club Is the point of that And then maybe one day We'll get good enough And we'll be able to put All these out uh, On video for everybody And then Beyond that If we get good enough at it Maybe we could be able To have a live show And like come into to you On Sunday Man. afternoon Sure or something like that. But man, we're going to try to use the money and stuff from the BC Club for stuff like this, at least. Right. That's at least part of the idea. And also, I don't know if people have gotten into this yet, but y'all know we have an Amazon uh, link now. Do y'all know that? Yeah. I've, I mentioned I, it a couple I, times. I heard
3: that. See, that's, Toby, that's one reason why, you should at least listen to Matthew's uh, intros each each time we put an That's episode out. That's exactly what I fast forward. There's some- I only listen to ads mostly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like shopping. Podcasting. Listen
0: to podcasts to you is like shopping. You just go through each podcast that you have and go straight to the ad
1: part. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure.
3: <laughs> Joey, how's the New Year treating you? Buddy? Oh, it's good, man. It's good. I've made so many New Year's resolutions, I can't even keep track of them. <laughs> I can't even keep track of them. I tell you what, I have... I have vowed to stay away from porn. Yeah, I have vowed from staying away from talking bad about my wife oh, and my man. friends. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. I have vowed to stay away from vulgar gestures. Whoa, <laughs> I mean, just, just gestures, not yeah. words. What is vulgar oh. gestures?
0: So obviously, that's the middle finger. Is that right?
3: Oh no, vulgar, vulgar gestures is like grabbing your crotch and like. Oh yeah, yes, I'm said, ch- did, like that what was all like you all you did, did in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, guys, I'm taking over, and I'm going wait, to... Wait, were well, we
0: rapid-firing? Was he taking I'm, over? I'm not, a, I'm yeah. not wait, up
3: wait, on the plane. Oh, yeah, hold on. What, what do you let, mean? You're taking over the podcast right now?
0: Yeah, and I made an intro. But time, but time out. But time out. did. But we still didn't... I wanted to solve the matter of whether or not everybody understands how to use the Amazon link. Can we revisit that? Oh, I'm that? sorry, Matthew. Do I'm people sorry. understand hey, what By the is? way,
3: if you don't know Matthew's middle name, it's DuBose. Matthew DuBose Carter. All right, go ahead, DuBose. Oh, I thought it, it was Damas. No, it's DeBose DeMass. <laughs> yeah. So
0: you just, you, know, you had to go to Jabberjaw Media's website. I don't think we have it on our website yet. We might. But if you go to Jabberjaw's website, JabberjawMedia.com, and find the bad Christian thing, click the link there on Amazon, and everybody save that. You just save it into your bookmarks, and then whenever you shop on Amazon, it'll kick us some money. It doesn't cost you nothing, assuming Ooh. you're already going to shop on Amazon. I'm going to use it. You, know. you can. I'm going to use
1: it all the time. You can. I'm a Prime member.
0: So I'm saying anytime you thing you order on Amazon, it'll it'll kick us some dollars or cents. I mean something uh, like yeah. that.
1: Uh-uh-uh. Kick it, don't babysit uh, 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 it. Go to Amazon right now. Amazon go to Amazon. Amazon.com Amazon and buy it. With and buy what, it. Is the code With what is the code, no code, Matthew? There's no code. You just click
0: through that link and bookmark. Oh. it. And then yeah, always stupid. when you every shop on Amazon, it'll work. Ain't no code to it. It's just simple. You shop as you, you always do. Don't would. even
1: need a code. Just go, go, go to badchristian.com dot com, then to Amazon dot
3: com. All right, all right. So it's the global takeover. It's the rapid fire.
1: We <laughs> need <laughs> more beatboxing. Rapid yeah, uh,
0: yeah. fire, do do
3: do 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 do.
1: But beatboxing <laughs> do, do, is like a safety net for you. Like it just, yeah. it just, you know, you can land uh, there. If yeah. anything
3: gets weird or All awkward, right? So can it's beatbox. been a while. It's been a while since I've been given a while. You guys, it's been a while since I've given you a rapid fire, and I want to go ahead and do that. I've got three things that I want to present to you, Tight. and see, uh, you know, for our listeners, this is this is one way that I get to. Love Just it. unashamedly throw stuff out there that could be dead end because Matt and Toby <laughs> don't have to feel uncomfortable about laughing right. in front of the thousands of people listening that, hey, that's a dead end story, Joey. You suck. But now the <laughs> the, the, the the clinker here is that one of these stories i have got to go what somewhere. What does that mean, the so clinker? I, what does that the, mean? I, don't, I know I've never used that. The I'm clinker. not
1: aware of that. Is, is it, it, is it is it clincher? No, I think he's thinking the kicker. The kicker it's here cr- is... It's a cross between the <laughs> clincher and the, cl- in the There is no such thing. It says the clinker. I, I, I heard do. that. I think clinker was a guy in MASH, the TV show the MASH. clinger. Well, yeah. You remember in that movie... Or clinger.
3: Mean, that was clinger. You remember in Mean Girls where that girl tried to make up the word, that's so fetch. And she said, "Oh, will you please stop saying that? That's never going to become something. Clinker it is. All right, mm-hmm. so this is the first... Uh, we get letters all the time. And we're inundated with them. I am so sorry that we the cannot... clinker. We are so important... You guys are sending us just so many emails and I'm just so sorry that we cannot take the time and, and but we pray over them. So here is an email that we received and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read the last part and here's why I think it is just so unique. It's it's uh it's it's from someone that goes to Bethel Church and i tell you what. I stereotypified Bethel Church because I cannot believe how this person talks. You are you are in for a surprise at the last couple sentences. But first, long long letter Last part, he says, finally, as far as Bethel Church and their obsessions with gold dust and what I call, quote-unquote, spooky church, yeah, this is kind of a thing that many charismatic, uh, in many charismatic scenes, I know the leadership there on a personal level to various degrees, okay, maybe it doesn't go there, and can say confidently that they can give a shit if a feather falls or if gold dust shows up or if anyone gets healed. All right, so for the record, he said Bethel doesn't give a shit if people get healed. I okay. I don't that can't be true. They want God's presence, and the other stuff is just a bonus. The people who attend a church are obviously a different story. Some of you guys are in ministry or pastors, so you know that for every healthy leader, there's 30 congregants who have good hearts but take things too far. They'll learn, and Bethel's leadership is pretty good about teaching that the focus is Jesus and his presence and the stuff that happens that makes you mm-hmm. wonder. Weird, spooky church is extra stuff. Now, this is just the great. I've never heard this terminology. Hopefully, I didn't come off like a burlap sack of full of veiny dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm read that again. Hopefully, I didn't come off like a burlap sack full of veiny dicks. What's wrong with this guy? How do you even think of that? I really, really love you guys and your podcast. I think you're amazing. I just thought I'd provide some insider info since I'm kind of in that circle. Also, Blank would most likely... Oh, well, I can just... Sean Boltz would most likely come on the show. He is also not a burlap sack of veiny dicks. Wow. Maybe that's something they say in Redding, California. Yes, that's a Bethel
0: thing. I'm pretty sure it's a
3: Bethel thing.
1: Gold dust. You yeah, know, I would bag, think that's got kind of a hipster did. too.
3: I mean, a, a burlap
1: sack, it's got to be yep. expensive leather. Just, I think that it's that just Banny one of Dick the sayings thing. in their culture there. I'm
3: pretty sure. I haven't What do, do you all think there's... about them just not caring about the Gold Dust or the Feather Falls or the Getting Healed or something like that?
0: Well, but okay, but that what, you, what this supposes that Feathers fall; they materialize and fall because of God's favor. Toby's looking and into gold that a dust, bit more and than gold dust comes on them. There's videos right. and stuff of it. Right. And, and yeah. what this guy's saying, if I'm understanding correctly, is yeah, of course that stuff definitely happens because it does a sign of God's favor and it's real. But we're yeah. not even looking for it. We're not even asking for it. And we that's not even what we're about. Right. Which, it, if it was true, then that would be a reasonable position. However, I would think that I'm going to guess eighty something percent of people listen to this podcast and probably eight, probably, you know, uh, 75% of the 66% of the people on the podcast, uh, don't think that that actually is true. That feathers materialize and dust made of gold comes out of the air and lands on the people there when they're really worshiping. I don't believe that that is the case. So if people are experiencing that, that means that therefore must be manufactured or caused or fabricated or lied about, or something to that effect, in which case certainly they care about it enough to fabricate it. I'm assuming, and maybe I'm dumb, that most people don't think that's actually real, the feathers and the gold dust.
3: I don't know. I could be wrong and it could exist. What's crazy is Bethel Church, I mean, they they are arguably becoming mainstream. You go to iTunes and they're on the top of the charts for worship CDs and all that stuff, so it's not like they are are portrayed, or it's not like they are being seen as these crazy cuckoos. Now, a lot of people do see him that way, but uh, anyway, that that whole thing is super... Interesting. I mean, no, but
0: but the fundamental question is, Joey, do you think they have special feathers and gold dust? Do you think that's no. real? No. Okay.
3: okay. No, well, I don't.
0: Then, in that yeah. case, what his email says, from your point of view, is still an email to be rejected, and I'm sorry to this guy, and I'm not saying he doesn't believe it. I'm not saying he's yeah. a liar or false or anything like that, but if it was real, then his point of view would be completely valid. I would right. agree with his point of view, but if not... Then he doesn't understand that it's not real or he's in on it or something. I'm not sure how to take that.
1: And I could be wrong. The scary thing to me is that maybe people have seen it, but that still doesn't make it real. Like, you know, like why would the Holy Spirit, the big thing that the Holy Spirit would do is make gold dust and feathers? Why not cure cancer? Why would the Holy Spirit? And why would it only happen at one church? Does that mean all the other churches aren't believing the right way or all the other churches are wrong? Yeah, it's And their hard worship to is That's terrible true. and bad and not holy. I mean, I, I guarantee you, there's a billion churches like, hey, we, we pray just as hard as you. We, we sing songs just as much and all that stuff. I mean, all that stuff, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's supposed to make you think oh man the holy spirit is present and god is present and he sends gold dust that makes me feel creepy well it's if, god, a, it's if god's about to- gold dust that can't that doesn't sound good <laughs> well
0: i'm not i mean i'm not even trying to be obnoxious you, boy, you breathe all, that though. stuff in and die yeah it's like asbestos <laughs> no i'm not even trying to be obnoxious i'm saying thank you for writing the email thank you for listening yeah, to us I knowing I that what we I agree. say and think but I, I guess what i'm saying to you sir is i as far as I'm concerned, I have no way to in no way in my frame of view to believe that the gold dust is is real. It would be cl- most likely. My best guess is it's similar to uh, planned spontaneous baptisms, like it's to edify the church and the people that cause it to happen. I don't know if they're up in the rafters or what it is. Um, actually, covertly m- synthesize something like gold dust or something in the lighting, or I don't know what it would yeah. be, and well, then therefore the 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 attenders of that church are probably. Uh, experiencing it as real. And maybe well,
3: they thank feel you, like that's yeah. good. Thank you for saying, sir, but that was from Joyce Meyer. Go ahead, Toby. You, where you well, I was just
1: going to gonna say, say, too, I even believe that God can do anything. So I don't even care if, if God wanted to make gold dust. I'll even, let's even go here. Maybe it happened once, but then you become known as a church that did gold dust and so now you have to do it all the time or it yep. has to happen more or, and then you fabricate it or something. You know, it's the same thing you do. Somebody gets healed and then everybody goes, well, I got to go heal, get healed from this guy. It's evangelist, and then he has to make people feel like he can heal, or so, like the the culture starts wanting something because they saw maybe God do something, and everybody think, and then you have to fabricate it in a unhealthy, maybe bad way. So
3: to me, and we we also I, see that believe guy believes it, and yeah. all this. That's yeah. what I'm
1: saying. I mean, and, and yeah, we're we're big jerks and veiny dick knapsacks or whatever. <laughs> Go ahead.
3: All right, second second little uh, popcorn is. I think you guys would get a kick out of hearing this. So I love these guys like brothers. I really do. Okay. I love seeing them naked. I love cuddling. Mm. I love talking about deeper spiritual truths. Uh, but sometimes they can be really and and I know they try. This is not it. You know, sometimes they can be inconsiderate. But this is not one of them. They're Are you not talking in, about your kids? Yes. Uh, they're not inconsiderate when it comes to communication. They really want to do well. But sometimes, man, it is like pulling teeth to get information out of Toby, get information nope. out of Matt, get, get what I need from them. That's not true. Um, But listen to this. We had someone email us to see if we wanted... Uh, some samples of (laughs) bidders that they would send us freely. And Toby responded in five minutes and Matt responded four minutes later. (laughs) Now I have been trying to get answers about bad Christian operational stuff for days, phone calls, text messages, emails. This guy Mm -hmm. emails that has something to do with liquor and toby so emails back seconds, in 5 sir. minutes Prompts. thank seconds. you sir
0: uh here's my address anything else here's my phone number Call oh yeah me i mean uh, send me something you got it like the case was closed within, well, well, let, within let's, let's, 20 minutes let's break that down just a little bit let's just oh, explore break that it down, that's right well let's say this guy's it. name too kevin
1: ming mm-hmm. M-E-N-G, yeah. and he makes his own bitters and so i can't wait to try them he's sending them to us and i'm really excited and I'm not drinking alcohol, so it goes in club soda. So it doesn't have to do with liquor. Okay, I was very interested in the topic.
0: Let me float this notion by you, Joey. Um, wh- okay, wh- I mean, Matthew. why
1: do you think that is?
0: I mean, your, I mean, your base theory is, oh, they're going to get something out of it, so of course they respond immediately,
3: right? To be honest, and and we're we're not your stereotypical podcast that avoids these sorts of things, but to be honest, it's more out of entertainment stuff. This was an easy email for you guys to answer, I and know. and it was also super fun. Where a lot of the stuff that's more Mm -hmm. operational, it seems tedious to to y'all's minds. It Mm -hmm. also seems overwhelming. Yes. So for me, when I send a like three or four questions that really just require yes or no, I see that as very simple. My wife sees it as, oh, my gosh, this is a lot. I don't want to sit down and think about this right now where I'm just like, no, just answer y'all are y'all operate a lot more like my wife so i actually understand that but i'm just make i'm making sport of you guys no i know and i,
0: I i'm going to i'm going with it here so what i'm saying is Let's take let's explore just a little bit and maybe give a tip for people out there. This guy did get an immediate response from us because we had something that he was immediately offering and there was an immediate gain and of course you can add an element of I'm a bad person or selfish or whatever too. But <laughs> even that aside, nonetheless, it should teach you something because we live in a world where it is very difficult to get email response from people, communication right. this and that. Certain people, I'm not saying I'm the most popular person in the world, but I have a tons of inboxes and tons of people that won't Different small things from me in many ways. Now, right. to be honest, and I'm not, I'm not any—I'm not saying I'm any different. I'm sure everybody that when you ask them how they're doing, they say, "Oh, I'm really busy." Feels the same way I do, and that is, "Oh my gosh, my email and communications are full of people that want stuff from me." So, right. if you feel like I'm a specific person, my name is so and so, and nobody ever responds to my emails, well, take a reflexive opportunity there to think about why that is, just for a second. So. And something I say to you guys sometimes is hey if I if I'm gonna call you and give you good news you're gonna take that call. Like what I want is people to email me with good news. Right. That that should be actually your goal. And so if you get no communication back from other people, no response and are hard to for you to reach people, you might should examine what it is that you're offering to other people as opposed to just asking. Other people, and even in just the simple phrasing of the email, like so, this will help me get to that. And if you can complete this, then I will help you. I will be able to get your taxes done soon. Even if it's things that are boring, try to build in the motivation, or call it manipulation, if you like, for reward to be associated with your communications, and you will see a higher return on your
1: communications.
3: Nice business strategy, yeah, man. I like that. I I seriously, I have had people, and and this is a handful. So if you're thinking I'm talking about you, you're wrong. I'm not talking about you. (laughs) But I've actually had people that basically kind of reached out and they wanted some advice and that sort of thing. And we, we do have some system in place of doing that. And sometimes one of us uh, will will try to, but we can't make a habit of it because we actually have real people that we're in relationship with as well as a lot of people writing us for this sort of thing. But I've had someone write me before and said, look, I, I totally understand you can't spend your time answering all the emails. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about it, blah, 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 blah. But then he pours his heart out to me. And I'm just like, well, I, I want to say something, and so I respond with like two sentences, and he blasts me. Like I only say two sentences. Blast, yeah, basically saying that was kind of a asshole. Like, I can't believe that's all you. Did wrote, you do it in all caps? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but but anyway, I, I do think like, uh and, and I I know that person was well intentioned, and his feelings were hurt, and that sort of thing. So I don't fault him, yeah. but. I do think someone like that's got to step back and just a just a person that's not even on a podcast where people can facebook you and all that and, and email you and all that stuff. Phones are blowing up with text messages from mom, from dad, from my friend right. that I haven't seen in a couple of years who's coming into town, from someone that needs something sent to him, from someone who's asking for the address and all that stuff and it's just like you got to make a decision, okay, am I going to be a slave to my phone throughout the day, even when I'm home while the kids are around or at some point, am I going to say, I'm not answering this. Like it just, yeah. you know, and it's, I think people don't
1: realize that sometimes they're asking more than, than what they think they are. Like, I mean, they, they need to realize that like, seriously, everybody in the world is busy And right. just to ask somebody to do something. It can be a lot. It really can be. Um, which is kind of interesting. You say that though, because I'm, I'm, I wanted to bring this up. I haven't even emailed him yet, so I'll probably have emailed him by the time this podcast comes out um i uh we were doing i think we were doing an audible ad and i mentioned that i really like stephen king and i love all the sci-fi and fiction stuff and one of our listeners sent me their book that they wrote and the book's called the shot um and it's by dr gaines um and uh it was awesome really i'm not kidding i really enjoy i read it really quickly i read it within two days i mean that was a culmination of a few hours, but, and, uh, I was blown away. And I think once again, the reason why it works so much is he said, Hey, read it or don't, I don't know if you'll like this, whatever, but just, I'm and, and there was no, there's nothing for me to do. We didn't have a conversation. He said, yeah, then I'll find you to, he just figured out where to send it to through the Google or whatever, and just sent the book and then left it up in the air. So I was really, and then it was just so awesome for me. Cause I was like, oh well, man, that was so simple. I'll, I'm just sitting here. I'll just read the first page. Mm-hmm. and if i hate it i'll turn it i'll throw it away or whatever give it to somebody else right and uh it was really good though i mean i, I highly recommend it i'm giving it you know he doesn't he's a listener I, uh, I don't know if he's in the bc club or anything so um but regardless dr gaines check it out he's out of colorado i mean i really think it was really really an interesting story i i took it as like a uh almost like a, a really neat idea on zombies it's not zombies but it's kind of a neat idea of how you could, I don't know, a more realistic way. I just thought the whole thing was just really great, really great book. And going back to your point, uh, the thing is, I don't have time to necessarily look at all the, I mean, there's tons of probably listeners that we have that write books and stuff like that. But I mean, now I, I don't care about getting flooded with a bunch of books and I don't know if everybody's going to be as good as Dr. Gaines, but uh, it really, really good story. So I right. wanted to, I wanted to mention that after I'd read it. And just say that, yeah, that the simplest way, like that's what we did when we started Emory. You just you go to people and you give them stuff. You give them your stuff. You make it as simple as possible for the person you're trying to get something in their hands or whatever. And then you might have a shot. Yeah. Even then you might not still have a great shot. But I mean, if you just say, hey, tell me what you think about this. That's just so hard. Because yeah. I don't have time to, then that means I have to literally stop everything I'm doing and focus on that as opposed to all the other things instead of, oh, here it is. I stumble. Okay, I'm going to do this. So Yeah.
3: Yep. Anyway. Yeah. We got time for one more? Yeah. All right, one more. All if, you want. There is uh there's someone that I went to church with a long time Can you ago. You speed it up? Yep, and I still keep in you touch went to with church them. a long time ago. So they actually have a kid in the 3rd grade, right? And their school out in the Midwest. Cool. And basically there's a kid in the classroom that is having a sexual identity crisis apparently. And so basically Um, My friend was talking to a fellow parent and the parent basically said, yes, my son, um, it has been very depressed lately, has uh, not been able to concentrate in school, uh, shut down at home. And so we started asking questions. Right. And basically what came out is the little boy again, a third grader, the little boy said, "Uh, I don't understand why I'm not a girl. And so they kind of talked it through a little bit with him. He just says, I feel like I, uh, you know, in, in his way, I feel like I relate more to girls and all that stuff. So anyway, I was telling Toby all this stuff. We had a great conversation, but basically the parents response was to get with the guidance counselor, the guidance counselor and the parents at this school all decided, okay, well, let's let this kid express himself. Let's let this kid be free with whatever he's feeling. So now you got a kid in the third grade, uh, a boy that uh, was already somewhat of an outcast. That already got teased by the kids, and he's showing up to school with, uh, you know, fingernail polish, uh, bows in his hair. Uh, but the parent was telling my friend, "This kid is like, it's like night and day. They are happier. They feel like there's a, you know, huge weight off their chest and all that stuff." Toby and I talked about whether or not this this person and and i mean the thing is is we're not offended by this kid's parents decision to express himself or anything i mean we're not offended by someone's sexuality or anything toby made the point though did that parent just basically make that path for this kid to where there's no turning back like in other words could this have been one of those things to where someone's just like okay well this kid's a little confused let's just stay the course no big deal you know, 10 years later, he's, you know, dating girls and all that stuff. And that was something he reflects on as a confusing time in his life. Whereas now, if this person's straight, they're never going to operate as a normal straight person. Correct? is that kind of what you were saying?
1: Well, normal is, is very subjective. What I was saying is, I think, Matt, I, I've really been thinking, I think you got me on this kick of... Oh, boy. Thinking about sexuality is a lot more fluid than we we say i think we try to put way really harsh parameters on things and we look from adult eyes into our, and what our sexuality is and then i think even unintentionally sometimes we put that on younger kids who are not thinking sexually they're just thinking interest, fun what i like what i'm uh what what i might want to try or what i want to do so the only thing i was saying is I think overall in general, why not let kids do what they want to do? If a kid wants to wear a dress, okay. If a kid wants to, yeah. you know, if a kid does, wants to wear pants or if a kid wants to uh, like Barbie dolls or like football or whatever it might be, we don't need to, the number one thing we don't need to do is put any sexuality with that, at, especially when we're talking about a kid that is seriously under 10 years old. I mean, like the idea of just putting, oh, well, this means that this person is this. I think that's really detrimental because you don't know. You're saying
0: let him wear the nail polish might be reasonable, yeah.
1: and that doesn't mean that that's oh, no turning back. What I'm saying is, why would that immediately mean? Oh, well, this he identifies as a girl. Maybe he just yeah. likes wearing nail polish and dresses for for now, or right. maybe he will be identified as a girl. Maybe maybe when he's older or whatever, he'll say, "Yeah, I always knew." And that, that okay, I'm even okay with that. I'm just saying, I feel like our bias a lot of times is we have to define this and say this person is this, and that way we know this person is. 100% gay. This person is 100% straight. This person is 100% transsexual. This person is what, you know, whatever it might be. Or it's just and
0: people I, doing what they want to do at the time.
1: Right. That's, well, that, that, that's all I'm saying. And and what I'm saying is I'm not negating that somebody can go, this is how I identify. That's totally fine. But let them decide. Why do, We don't need to put our input into that and go, well, this is what this is. If, if there's a kid, like if, if my son goes, hey, I really just want to wear a dress, my immediate reaction, living in the South, being a Christian, all these things, I feel like it's just, Put inside of me to worry about it or go. You will oh, worry. No, what, yeah. What it does this, this mean? What does it look like? To and, and, and and honestly, the biggest shittiest thing about that all is just it's the big worry is because what will other people think? Yeah. That's, that's what. Yeah, that's what's. Interesting I love my son is, no matter what. No matter what my son does or becomes, I am going to love him. And it might be hard, but that 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 hardness is with me, not with him. I'm always going to love him, no matter what. I'm always going to love my daughters, no matter what. Regardless of what they choose, and hopefully they'll, they, they choose will good and don't become serial killers or whatever. But I, I'm just saying, I feel like we immediately rush to judgment. Oh, well, this is what this means. So this is what it's looking in for the category for of it. Yeah. Right. Well, I right. mean,
0: the, you know, the interesting thing would be if some kid, some pr- kind of pre sexual kid is experimenting in these other ways. I mean, if you think about what could possibly do long term damage to people, the types of things that do long term damage to them is stuff like, Seeing and picking up on, or being forced upon them, the absolute sheer terror of their parents being mortified at who they are. Right. That's right. And that and that's the pretty much the only method parents have of trying to right that ship and not let them be gay or act like a girl or dress this way or or identify as this. You know, you can imagine what a lot of parents traditionally have done or would do in that situation, and how traumatic that in itself would be. Even if perhaps it was just some weird expression, artistic face, non sexual
3: thing. But Toby, you said you didn't like this decision to encourage this expression. Right?
1: No, no, no. I said I actually said you should be able to do whatever you want. What I don't like is that you immediately like the idea that I am a girl. Like I don't know if that kid came up with that idea. Yeah, that think, might be put I,
0: on her on that, him. That, that, and I could be that. wrong, but
1: I'm just saying I, I don't know if that, that that idea, like maybe like for example, the way you told me the story is, kid's an outcast. I think he's probably bullied. Uh, boys are mean to him. Maybe he is what people consider more effeminate or less masculine or whatever it might be. And so he probably, obviously, maybe there are girls that are his friends. That maybe they are the actual kind, yeah, good people. That's right. So maybe he, he leans towards that. Hey, well, when I'm with these people and they're playing with Barbie right. dolls, it sure is fun. It doesn't
0: mean anything, and so and so it's bad to call to say to that person. Oh, so you are what we know as transsexual. It turns out you were a girl the whole time. Maybe you don't. Right. Maybe all it is is an, an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old like exploring thing. Oh, the men stuff is weird. Men have been bad to me. Oh, women are nice. And then uh, slightly after that, there goes, oh, <laughs> but now I, of course I'm attracted to women. I, I understand what I where I was at at that time. You know, like there's a lots of ways to to right. experiment. I mean, that's all life is, is figuring out social constraints and experiments. And so with limited amount of, you know, if you're told early on because of three impulses that you had that you are now this, well, that might be destructively profound. Yeah, even in the name, even in the name of trying to support his transition, yeah, is it not necessary thing to even do?
1: Right. On either way, it just seems like it's implementing what others think, as opposed to let me decide. And here I go. Okay, this is where I'm actually at. After when you when you are start experiencing sexuality and you start realizing all that stuff when you at least maybe a teenager or whatever it might be, then it would be a real thing where you would know and you would have get gotten to make the choice and you say, well, I like this, I like this. So many things in your life is fluid. I mean, so many things you, you, you changed so much in your lifetime. Like I know I'm, I'm 39 years old. I have changed in so many ways, even sexually some, I mean, seriously, I probably haven't gone as far as other people, but I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, all those things. So I I just feel like it could be a detriment to that. And and, and since I don't know enough of the story, I don't know. I don't know these people. They live far away, all this stuff, but I'm just saying, like, I, I think what I fear is making this declaration of this is where it is. And then all of a sudden, then a kid who doesn't know anything goes, oh, yeah, well, my dad told me what I am, and so that's what I am. Yeah, you know, I, I, I knew from an early age that I like Barbie dolls. That's maybe all that means. Or I used to like Barbie dolls when I was eight. Yeah, I did, too. I think I used to play with whatever. it, whatever. We be, do, it I mean, and, do we, we do the category thing to adults. It, also, you. let me clarify, too, that's a tough situation. Yeah. I, I don't envy that father, and I think the father's trying to do everything he can. Yeah. So in that situation, he might be doing the best he can. I don't have any negative things to say about the dad being a bad dad or anything like that. I'm that's glad you not what said that, Matt,
3: because that whole story was about Toby and Ike. Yeah, let him wear the damn dress.
1: I don't think I would really care, and I would, well, you would care, but but you you might you might allow it, yeah. I would care, but I would like I would I'd want yeah just the idea. Like that's the thing when I think about Ike, who's four years old, looking at me and going, "Yeah, I just want to wear this." I don't think he's thinking I'm a girl, or and, and if he is, maybe maybe he even is. Maybe I'll even go there. Maybe he even is. But it's just Ike right now. Like Ike, yeah, when he was younger, right. he cried all the time. Or Ike now talks sometimes like a baby when he wants to get his way. Or <laughs> and I think later he won't, or whatever. You know, I mean, all these things, just let the kid be a kid, figure out the world. And we have all these parameters now of what your identity is and what your sexuality and all this stuff. And it defines you as opposed to I'm a human. That's what defines me. I'm actually a human. That's the most thing we have in common. Then we then there's tons of variables from there about your idea and personality and what mm-hmm. you want to do and all those things and let those things maybe blossom a little bit.
0: Toby, yeah. that's a very mature point of view for you to have, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah,
1: I wouldn't have had it probably three weeks ago, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm growing. <laughs> I'm growing. Nobody needs me to tell them what they are. Regardless. Including they, your they, they, own they, they, damn kids. Yeah. I yeah, agree with that. That's, that. But it is hard. It is tough. So. All right, let's take a break. Okay, guys. I just want to take a second and talk about Prosper. Uh, what a cool website. I just think this is such a cool way... To take money into our own hands, keep yep. it out of the you know out of the craziness, and you don't know sometimes where you money's going to come from, and you want it f- to come from a trustworthy sur- source, and that's what Prosper does. It's really cool. There's all these new things like Uber and Airbnb, and Prosper is kind of just like that. You can use Prosper to borrow up to thirty five thousand dollars in as few as five days. Well, let's be responsible. Let's tell people. Let's just give
0: them a couple of ideas that are good uses of money, right? Like you could go buy right. a bunch of uh. Uh, you balloons know, Balloons with it <laughs> Or you, you could go buy A bunch of uh, Scotch and bourbon And drink it all Probably not a right. good idea But what would What is a good reason To actually borrow money If you,
1: uh, I would love to borrow money To remodel my studio Which is my mm-hmm. garage And make it into An actual studio For the podcast And for ah. videos And all the stuff That I want to do And
0: then we can even Earn more money Because of that right. So a good investment there I would say The best one This is kind of A no brainer Almost everybody Has some credit card debt And that can be 10%, 15%, 19% Uh, interest rate so the smartest thing you can do is borrow money at a better interest rate to pay off money at a lower interest rate that's always a a no-brainer and a home run um, if you can do it and prosper prosper gives you really good rates prosper.com is the better way to get the cash you need at a low interest rate that's their whole mission statement that's their whole idea
1: totally. So to check, go right now, check your low interest rate instantly without affecting your good credit. Go to prosper.com forward slash bad Christian for up to $35,000 in your account as in, in as few as five days. That's a prosper.com forward slash bad Christian. One more time, prosper.com forward slash bad Christian. Now we have to do this legal disclaimer. So I want to read it in that fast voice with like, you know, sound like a real radio guy. Go for it. There we go. Other (laughs) Other restrictions apply. See site for program and Visa prepaid card details. All personal loans are made by WebBank, a Utah chartered industrial bank member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. That's good, Toby. <laughs> I, I, I think I could do radio voices.
3: You got it, baby. All
0: right, well, uh, we got another ad today, and I man, am I thankful for these ads and that people s- support them in the way that they keep coming back. We've got some signed on for next year, and somebody we've been doing ads for forever, our great friends at Tooth and Nail Records, and mm-hmm. they have a band that we really like so this is win 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 and that band is we are the city we're gonna to listen to a song from it called kiss me honey and it's from their new record above club and it just came out in november so it's still in the middle of that cycle so still new people uh finding their way to this band who we've had on the podcast here before and everything so um here it is i hope, I hope you enjoy this part of the song
1: Kiss Me Honey was good by We Are The City. And that's their new record. That that song, Kiss Me Honey, comes off their record, Above Club. Tooth and Nail was nice enough to send us that record, and we love it, guys. I just want to tell you that. You may have seen these guys out on the road this fall with, like, Copeland or Isley. And if you live in Europe, check them out on their tour next month, and all of you Canadians will be able to see them on tour in February. So go buy this record on iTunes, toothandnail.merchline.com. Dot com. The band is We Are The City. The record is Above Club, and you are an asshole if you don't buy it.
0: <laughs>
3: great. Okay, I believe we're done.
0: Okay, so, uh, so you guys know Craig then, right? Yeah. So Craig grows people. Yeah, so Craig introduced us, said you guys should have these guys on the show. He said it'd be great to talk to. He said if it's not too much, he said you guys had some good real, you know, real crazy. crazy porn stories. And so what I'm wondering, <laughs> what I'm wondering is what were you, what are you guys? Are you actors or directors or cameramen? Uh, <laughs> like,
2: what, is it, what you never Googled twin porn before? <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, I'm the key grip.
2: I'm the key grip.
1: Uh,
2: yeah.
3: Thank no. God you're not the,
1: was the fluffer. <laughs> I'm the key grip.
2: He is the key gripper and I'm the key grip.
1: <laughs> yeah. Craig Gross introduced us to you guys. Uh, said you guys have, uh, you've done a video series called my pilgrimage you wrote the book too uh we we, we have feels the book like from you guys feels like book. redemption and the the book too the guide uh on the road to the redemption with my pilgrimage but yeah just give us a a, a brief intro who are, who are you guys and and uh what's going on and then get into some very terrible porn stories
2: <laughs> very Terrible terrible stories. well you know it's funny dave and i i mean we never we never did i don't think him and i ever went beyond the kind of classic evangelical white christian guy porn addiction where we weren't like you know diving into some crazy stuff you know mm-hmm. crazy weekends in vegas or anything like that but it was uh but more than anything we were just we were kind of typical you know what i mean i'm sure you guys are familiar with that concept but it's like you know um we started what what made it different and what what brought the book about um was we we let I mean, and I don't, I guess I shouldn't say we all let Dave talk for himself, but what happened was we go kind ahead, of, at school. You could, you're twins. You just say whatever <laughs> you say. <saying. laughs> we went the route. We went a route of letting this thing kind of deconstruct our belief systems because what it really became was we were, we're trying this stuff. We're kind of doing the everyman's battle playbook and we're trying this stuff to our churches and we're doing this kind of thing with the software and all this kind of stuff. And after a while you start to go, wait a minute, like, is there any actual power? what's the difference between a spiritual approach to this and a religious approach to this? And we were doing the religious thing and it wasn't working. And at what point can you start to ask your belief systems to work? You know what I mean? To practically work.
0: That's interesting. I've heard people say that before. I've heard people really criticize it, even every man's battle and stuff like that because it's yeah. it's just yeah. teaching people that you should do this, and you should do this, you should do this, and it's not yeah. even really that spiritual. It's discipline, and it's behaviorism, and it's maybe wise, and maybe it can be helpful, but and to some degree, it kind of leaves out the spiritual or the supernatural or that you, yeah, component. And, or, of, or there's power over it. There's power, yeah, as opposed right. to just management, and you can do it well.
2: Right. Which is what well, the, and, and, at
0: the core of a lots of religious do's and don'ts and legalism stuff yeah
2: if we actually talk about real power and I think the book actually we get into that's the big question that Seth started really asking. We just kind of started asking together and going, look it, is, if a spiritual paradigm is the thing we're actually going to function from, then we have to start asking the harder questions, the deeper questions. Um, the big thing that came out of the porn the porn thing is that Seth and I both struggle with a pretty pretty intense porn addictions for I mean I was over a decade to a point where I wanted to off myself, you know, I was ready to die and, um, hit a major rock bottom point.
1: Uh, can we stop there for a second? When you, when you say that, I think a lot of people, when you say I was addicted to porn and that led, sure. and it kind of alluded that maybe that led to thoughts of suicide. How, how, how did those get there? Was there other stuff going on too? What, how did porn get you there?
2: When I started struggling with it, you know, it's like everybody else, you know, all of a sudden the internet was in my house, you know, and, and, um, after I was married, I was finding myself kind of wandering over to that all the time. And then it got to a point where that's kind of what I thought about. And then then to a point where finally it got to a point where I could admit it. And then when Every Man's Battle came out, and I remember it as clear as day, we were at church and the pastor like held the book up. And he was like, this, I, I attended a big church here in Alaska. and And he said, I want every man in this church to read this. And for me at the time, I was like, oh, Awesome! There's there's help. There's somebody's talking about this now, and so I I bought the book that day, read it that day, and immediately started applying the, the the theories. It was things like bounce your eyes. I was looking for something I could do, right? Right? And so I'm like, oh, I can I can okay. So I started practicing the bounce your eyes thing, and then the whole and I'm reading the this. Seth's <laughs> laughing. Now. I I bounce because <laughs> I almost crashed my car one time bouncing my eyes. <laughs> that's why. And I actually. <laughs> Actually, it was like, cause in Alaska some half the year you're driving on ice and I and I there was a gal on the side of the road and I did and I just and I bounced and jerked, <laughs> the wheel, jerked the wheel and the car swerved into the other lane and I was crazy. it's the
3: new bouncing in your car, man. It's the <laughs> kind of bounce.
2: No, <laughs> well, but what, what
3: happened <laughs> was yeah, is, so, the biggest the biggest
2: thing that drove me to that space was that I, I was finding myself in a lot of depression that kind of coupled along with it. And I would find myself, you know, in the wintertime, especially here it gets pretty dark and I would find myself drinking a lot and just trying to feel better, trying to function, trying to be a husband, trying to be a father, trying to do a job. And, um, and that cycle was so kind of vicious. And then what happened was I got into a men's group at church and, and for, for whatever reason, I found myself finding a period of sobriety, quote unquote sobriety, where I didn't look at, look at porn and I didn't masturbate or anything for six months. And I was actually with my family in Hawaii. My wife's family lives in Hawaii and we were actually out there. And and one night I'm like, you know, out on a boat I'm watching the stars. and What do y'all got been,
0: against the lower 48? <laughs>
2: um, we can get
0: into that. Sorry, go ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we can start talking lower 48 a little bit. Um, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm out on this boat, and I, and I remember I was looking up at the stars, and I actually said it out loud. I said, I don't feel any different. I've been sober for six months and I don't feel any different. And I had always, I realized at that point that I'd always assumed that freedom or quote unquote freedom, the freedom that like every man's battle talks about was was something you would end up feeling. You'd actually like feel some sort of lightness in your body or something. You'd actually be like, God, I feel good, you know? And I didn't. And I had done what I was supposed to do. And I had found that the the, the space and the sobriety and the book kept saying, oh, you're going to just feel so great when this happens because God is going to do all these, you know, you're just going to feel great. And I didn't feel any different. I, st- I still felt depressed, and I still felt this weight on me. And that's when I kind of gave up. I was like, you know what, screw it. Um, this isn't really working for me, and I'm just gonna, you know, let it just kind of fall apart. And it's it was a kind of a slow slide downhill to the point where I started involuntarily having suicidal thoughts. So I found myself kind of fantasizing about how I would do it and what would happen. And then I found that they would just pop into my head all the time, and I'd start. And then I started kind of going well, I should do it at this time so that the kids don't mm-hmm. find my body and stuff like that. Really yeah. messed up stuff, right?
0: I want to stop it even in that because this is really what's interesting, this personal part of it. So one thing that I draw a parallel between sometimes when I'm thinking about porn and the way people do it is this whole life of fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so the whole thing is in your head and it's and you're you're having these fantasies and stuff. And I don't know if anybody else draws this parallel, but I actually think it's – Kind of similar to have uh, people talk about morbid fantasy. So that's Mm -hmm. that's also even the suicide thing is like kind of consistent to me. Oh, it's about I don't want to die or whatever. But it's almost like you can imagine and spend time in another realm that's not reality. Like you can Mm -hmm. do it with mental. You can do it about your health. You can do it about your death. Mm -hmm. So really, the whole that that whole thing to me is just saying escape, escape, escape. Not reality. Not reality. So there's uh, there's some parallel even between the suicidal thoughts. And and the the pornographic fantasy. There, do you think there's a connection there?
2: Absolutely. I'm going to let Seth speak to some of that because that you know, Seth was kind of the driver in the book, and it's a lot about like what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, it came down to this idea that you know, and, and really, this was a conversation between David and I. When David found freedom, and I mean, he found it fast. When he started actually diving into real spiritual work, he he just he called me and he goes, "It's really simple, bro." He goes, "Porn is not the problem." I'm like, okay, porn is not the problem. He goes, porn is the medication for the problem. Uh I was like, okay. He goes, so what are you medicating? I'm like, I don't know. And He's like, yeah, okay, so we're going to dive into that and that entire idea that porn was something keeping us disconnected from this thing that we're actually medicating inside of us. So fantasy, and it functions, and we medicate on all kinds of crap. We can medicate on on religion. We can medicate work. We can medicate on all these kinds of things that keeps us separated from the fantasy. And you guys know as musicians that a lot of the music that's out there is designed to help you kind of disconnect from that reality and create some sort of false narrative that allows you to not actually feel what's going on inside you. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is the whole idea was uh, we, can you switch this paradigm to the problem? My problem is not porn. My problem is not out here. My problem is an internal problem, porn system medication. So what is it I'm medicating? We, We look inside and we learn how to reconnect. We learn how to feel and it turns out we've been suppressing this stuff a lot. And 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 this is where we get into some of the psychology of it. It's a real mashup of spirituality and psychology, those two things kind of coming together, where we're saying that we have this repressed emotion that's pushed down inside of our bodies. And it manifests as depression. It manifests as anxiety. It manifests as addiction. But the addictions are these just ways of keeping us disconnected from that repressed emotion. So what we're dealing with is trying to reconnect to the body, which robs us of all those fantasies and all those illusions and all that kind of thing. And it's work. But it but it turns out when we actually tap into that, there's some real spiritual power in there. I mean, stuff starts happening. And for David and I both, the freedom event, as you could say, at some point something happened. And on one side of it, I mean, for me, it actually manifested as an exorcism, like a full blown movie style exorcism. And I and my understanding of that is very different than what it what it was at the time, you know, because I've continued to do this kind of work. But for me, it was I mean, my wife put her hand on me and this thing freaked out and my body's getting thrashed all over the place. And I'm and this stuff's coming busting out of my body. And and then the next day, I wasn't an addict anymore. I never had
3: been since. So, I mean, are you saying you were demon possessed?
2: Well, no, I mean, see, that's the thing, right? We're getting into the language because everybody's going to have their paradigm for what this is. Uh-huh. What I'm saying was, is that when we started to go inward to this thing that was inside, there was an let's just call it energy because I think it's helpful. It's a helpful language because the word "demon possessed," right? Everybody's kind of kind of gravitate towards what their understanding of that is, whether it's Hollywood or Pentecostal thinking or a certain interpretation of Scripture. But what happened was I had something inside me, some energetic form inside of me that was holding a space in all this repressed energy, this repressed pain in my body. And you know, I mean, I had been reading the Christian mystics, and I'd been reading these guys that were saying, you know, a thousand years ago were saying. That the kingdom of God, this thing that Jesus said is within us, is a process of subtraction, not addition. If we pull things out mm-hmm. instead of add things in, we're actually going to be able to function more in that, that natural, created uh-huh. image of God's self. And so I was like, okay, let's do that. you know. And so I started just basic meditation techniques of trying to learn how to feel my body again. Because I found that, like, like, like you guys were saying, like Matt was saying about the disconnect from the body, that fantasy kind of space, was all keeping me from actually trying to feel the thing inside. So once I started practicing just feeling, which is kind of what we teach in the book, just learning how to feel that internal space, I started to be able to feel that, that repressed energy. And I started to feel something. I just remember telling my wife, I go, I think there's something in me. She's like, what is it? And I'm like, I don't know. I, it's just, it's not me. I can feel okay. it. So I'm
0: curious, like, uh, uh are we, I mean, this is interesting to me. Are we ter- in the territory now of, uh, some stuff that you said it's a mix of stuff. It, it's, are we in the territory of, uh, mindfulness and transcendental meditation and stuff that my chiropractor would talk about? <laughs> well, it's, I
2: wouldn't say, I wouldn't say transcendental. I mean, there's a lot of different types of meditation. What we try to, what we try mm-hmm. to teach in the book is an idea. And you're probably familiar with the term listening prayer. This idea that prayer, what we do and what we've done, and I'll speak to evangelicalism in this space, is what we've done is we've been taught a model of prayer that is we talk at God, we talk at God, we talk at God, we talk at God, talk at God. And, and, and our talking at God actually kind of, in a, in a way, can serve to keep us disconnected from that. So, what we're trying to teach is how to shut up and listen, and it's a meditation mm-hmm. technique to allow us to actually feel and hear. And the idea is, if Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, and there's this thing within you, and obviously, addiction and these issues are something that are taking place within the body. What if we went into the body? So the whole goal, like, you know, in the book, you know, we, we just teach a really basic 10 minute kind of experience of how to feel, just feel what's inside your body. So like most people, like I know that some of you, I've heard, you know, I've listened to you guys quite a bit. I know, uh, I think as Toby was saying, he was dealing with some depression and that kind of thing. There's a very distinct feeling in that. And sometimes it's a numbness, you know, sometimes, num- and numb is a very distinct feeling. But what we try to teach people mm-hmm. is how to locate this stuff in the body that we're actually medicating and work with that and allow, in, in the silence, silence and deep breath and a focused attention is a very basic form of meditation. I mean, it's a very ancient Christian form of meditation, but for some reason we're we're kind of sure. cut off from that in the church. But but what we're trying to do is teach people how to just go in. Do
0: some people think this is new agey though? Does anybody say that um, to you? You know,
2: honestly, I'm surprised we haven't gotten that feedback very much. And I think part of that is because it's like my friend Ryan said, like in this arena of porn addiction, I think the church is crying uncle, you know? And I think that people are going, whatever it is we're doing is not working. The every man's battle playbook has failed miserably and it hasn't helped us. And, and this entire, this book began as my master's thesis, as a, as an academic critique of every man's battle and that Mm -hmm. entire concept, because the whole idea is, We've been screaming for centuries that we're actually working in something that is spiritual, but we're doing anything but that. Sure. And we're suppressing the Eastern thought. We're suppressing the, the thought around the world in different religious traditions that are actually saying, no, 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 it has to be spiritual. And spiritual takes place in the body. So we've suppressed the body through our reading of scripture. It's a body of death, it's the flesh who will save me from this thing. I
0: see. I see.
2: And so that's
0: more Western, less Orthodox. F- farther into evangelicalism you go, the more you're detached from the body, seeing that way. Well,
2: and 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 of course, the traces is the roots to. It. To the Roman Catholic Church, it traces roots to the Enlightenment and some of the theology that came out of that. But you I know, mean, we're talking about Augustine and his influence on the church. But you know, we can get into the theology some other time. But it's but the the core idea is: what if spiritual work is not about escaping this body and escaping this world? What if it's actually about becoming deeply rooted in what it is to be human? And what if what if spirit? There is actual spiritual power, and it's not co opted by the Pentecostal Church, where we have to all speak in tongues and dance in the aisles. It's actually something where we can. We're all spiritual beings. We are all. created in the image of God and we all carry the power, like the scripture says, the power that created the universe lives within us. And if we can stop pretending we believe that because we say we do, but we obviously don't. I mean, we we say, I believe God can heal me, but we, we don't do anything to actually work in that, right? We can talk about it. We can sing about it. I believe God will provide for me, but when the bank account's low, I'm going to work my ass off and try to find the money. And we, we escape these tensions that we live inside where I say, I believe this, but my body obviously doesn't. Fascinating. Does that make sense? Yeah, On an unconscious level, we don't believe this crap. And why can't we come to the point where we finally go, wait a minute, I don't believe it. And we kind of maybe it's a little bit Jewish, right? I go into my doubts in this way where I can rip my clothes and scream at the sky, you know, and allow us to actually step into that thing that like Pete Rollins talks about, you know, like Jesus on the cross where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I can step into what it is to be truly human, which is that separation that we feel. From God. So what David and I are trying to teach is how to reconnect to ourselves in a way that makes us reconnect to God in an entirely new way. Is it easy? It's please? actually quite easy. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, it's easier than people think. The, the difficulty is that we'll find resistance from some of that crap that is kind of buried in our bodies because, like, you know, we have this kind of resistance set up to not feel. Some of that stuff that's buried deep mm-hmm. in that subconscious. Oh, yeah. It's a survival mechanism, right? We're talking about the ego. You know, it's the psychological term that Carl Jung and guys like this talk about something inside our bodies that says, don't feel this. It's too painful. And that's what's disconnecting us from ourselves. But we teach a 10 minute process. I had one kid, there's one kid up here. He was a, he was, now he's not a kid. He's 25, but he was a youth pastor <laughs> up here. And he, I got, He's, young. he's a youth pastor up here at this big mega church. He got the book. He read it. He just tried this basic little 10-minute process, did it a couple of times, and then he's like, he calls and he goes, I had the most powerful experience of God I've ever had in my entire life. And then a month later, he quits his job, moves down to California, to, so he's starting a PhD in contemplative theology. It's like this where you're like, whoa, this, something happened because the second we experience God, actually do it, instead of believing in it and instead of being, yeah. you know, we, we step in and have a powerful worship experience because there we're allowed to experience God. The second we actually experience it, it blows our minds. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what we're all looking for. And, and all these guys that are struggling with this porn addiction are going, at what point do I feel something? You
3: yeah. Know?
1: yeah.
2: I talked to a group of college guys and at one point you know, about this kind of work and I had said to them, and we had talked about this idea that if something is real, you actually don't have to believe in it. You just get to experience it, right? Uh-huh. Because, I mean, you don't believe in your hat. You know, you, you right, put it right. on your head. And um, <laughs> and if God is real, um, we always talk about what you believe, what you believe, what you believe. And we have to start kind of understanding that our beliefs are based on experiences. So when Seth's saying, we don't actually believe this, it's because we're not actually experiencing it but the the head structure that we have is this kind of psychology that's decided that we we have to believe it because of all the fear that if we if we let it go uh-huh. that that there is no god he's not there waiting to to help us you know and and it's just this fear so it's like what happens is and the reason the every man's battle thing failed so miserably and why the addiction problem has just gotten worse is because it just tightened the screws it just said we can, we're going to lock this belief yeah. system down yeah. even more. I mean, it, it even said spent a whole chapter talking about you really got to hate your sin. Right. And all the addicts are going, we haven't hated it enough yet. I, I, yeah, I really, again,
0: it, that goes back to the very first thing you're saying about being depressed and suicidal. Like some people, a, a secular point of view or some other point of view that's not so anti-porn as we are and talk ourselves into being, may, rightly so, I think. If you didn't have that pressure, that like, Somebody would tell you, okay, but it's not even bad to look at porn. And if you would just simply believe that, you wouldn't want to ever want to kill yourself because you did something that wasn't even bad in the right, first right. place. Yeah. yeah.
2: guilt's powerful. Do so yeah.
0: you know what I mean? So, so even though I disagree with that point of view, they got a really good point, And that is if you have a kid and they look at porn, you don't want them to want to kill themselves. <laughs> you want right. them to, you know, like looking at porn, okay, kind of yeah. bad. But it's not they've taken it if they can take it to that level and it can also cause them depression and to want to kill themselves and do all these other things, then you'd rather them n- not not take it that seriously.
2: What you can actually do is you can pull right and wrong kind of out of the equation for a minute. And we actually do this in the book. There's one chapter where Seth goes, where we talk about, I think it was about the one on sexuality, where Seth was like, all right, it's helpful for this chapter to take everything you think about right and wrong and sin, put it aside. You can pick it up when the chapter's done. Because, right, that's what yeah. I'm saying. That's yeah,
0: what I mean. Like, not porn isn't destructive or those things. I'm just saying that if you if you put it aside, it's the it's actually the guilt from doing the things you thought was bad that makes you want to kill yourself it's not now
2: you're now you're quoting the book of romans this is the entire book of romans is about this right and people want to read it as you suck your bad but that he's trying to explain to us what the law does to us in our consciousness he's yes. explaining he's right how the why the law brings death because it's something that functions inside of what it is to be human so when we talk you when jesus say you know we, we, all of the new testament there's nothing that separates us from the love of christ so let's get rid of this whole thing where where you're your you know your brokenness rises, the grace rises further. So can we get out of this step, this thinking and start asking the question that's actually helpful, which is what he wants. And is there any power for that? You know what I mean? Is there any access? Yeah. And, and that's, what, I mean, and Paul, I think was trying to tell us there's this unbelievable, powerful source within us and around us and through us, there's one God, God that is in all through all above all. And if we can actually just set aside the guilt and the shame that the law has brought us, we can begin to access this and find true, real transformation.
1: Yeah, I think when you when you focus on the porn or you or you focus on the sin, then like you guys said, you're not ever actually you're just focusing on the the symptom yeah. or the the thing that's that it. isn't even the real problem, and that helps you avoid it. And that's what your whole yeah, focus right. on is. Yeah. Your your focus is still on porn, just not porn.
2: The first thing I do when I sit down with somebody that's having a porn issue now, I say, hey, first of all, first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna take a vacation from you feeling bad about this. Have at it. Watch all the porn you want. It's totally fine. <laughs> so let's, while we're going to work on this, that it's not held for us to just feel guilty and ashamed. I said, so don't. And I said, now, now what I want you to do is observe the parts of you that do and start to feel it and let it in instead of always suppressing and finding ways to avoid these things and constantly trying to please a God that you think for some reason hates you because you're doing this. Let's, let's just put that aside and begin to, to watch and begin to see why we're doing what we're doing. And, and know that we're not, I mean, this is the, isn't this the point of grace? Isn't it obvious? <laughs> I don't know how anybody reads the new Testament and doesn't recognize that All this guilt and shame and the shit that was brought on us by every man's battle and the books that copied that, that thing in the 10 years after it is yeah. useless.
0: <laughs> it's easy to, I see what you're saying on that, but if you took it out of every man's battle and out of porn, what about just practical stuff for being a good dad? Yeah, that's mean, good. How about that? I a great though? question. I mean, a great there's nothing question. wrong with practicality on the other hand, right?
2: That's great. I always came from this point of like, instead of thinking about, is it right or wrong? The question is, is it helpful? Is it not helpful? It, it's all, it comes down mm-hmm. to desire. Like, do you want to be a good dad? Do you want to be a good husband? And then you look at it and go, is looking at porn making me a better husband? Or is it helping me as a husband? You know? And that that's a question that literally, like, everybody wants, like Seth and I, to to give an answer to that question. And I can't because oh, I see. have to look at you and go, "Is it?" It's a question for you to answer with you and your wife.
0: <laughs> and it, like you don't need it to be all about morality to achieve what you exactly. want. To well, achieve. And
2: making it about morality, making yeah. morality about morality is the same thing as making it about belief. Because if we make it about belief, and I I, I go back to that same thing, right or wrong belief. I mean, I've had so many Christians go, well, what's the right way to believe? And I'll go, we have 43,000 Christian denominations in the world. (laughs) I'm like, you tell me. You tell me what's the right way to believe, and I'll tell you what the other person believes. Mm -hmm. We have to get away from this idea that God is sitting up there with a morality ticker. Because like what Seth was saying, we're talking about grace. Grace eliminates that paradigm completely. And now we are in a space where we go... What do you want? What do you desire? Because if you desire to be a good husband and you desire to be a good father and you want to do that stuff like that, then you have to ask the question: What's helpful? Yeah. What's not helpful? Because sometimes it, it means you know, there's been people where you go, it's not helpful for you to be at that church. I'll go, it's not helpful for you to be doing this or doing that. But sometimes it's you need to get out of that space because it's yeah. keeping you in this in this in this wrapped up in this paradigm that's not helping you at all.
0: So in a way, that's more practical than than general practicality applied to all people in all cases Absolutely. it's more practical to ask yourself is this effective yeah. or not for me in this case about this subject
1: and maybe you guys can speak to this too and i hope i'm adding to the point one thing that i like about this take on it is the worst thing that's happened is to the church two two worst things in the the church is church focuses on homosexuality terrible get all you know and porn get rid of it and like if you could get rid of if you could wipe those two things off the earth Oh man, we're great Christians or something like that. Like I yeah. like this take of, Hey, it's not the porn who forget about the porn. Wait, it's us. Hold on. Let's, let's think about us because the biggest thing in the world, just like you said, David, which is so true with me too. You stopped looking at porn. You didn't feel any different. It it was never the porn any either way. Yeah. you know what I mean? it was David. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing that's interesting.
2: It, it's more than even just just me. What I what, it, let me you so you know what I'm going to share just a little bit of the story. And I think it's chapter four of the book. I kind of share this story for me. What it was was I went and saw a therapist here in town. There's a group here, and and you could call them new age if you wanted to, but the truth is is they 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 do body work, kind of like what Seth's talking about, they get into it. When he told me it's not the porn, it's not the problem. When I told him, I say, he goes, so he was looking through my paperwork and he's like, so you've been a porn addict for 10 years. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, just that's why I'm here. And he goes, that's not why you're here. And I'm like, oh, I think that's why I'm here. And he goes, no, that's not why you're
1: here.
2: <laughs> and he's like, and, and then he says, he says, porn's not the problem because we're going to find the disease, the real problem. We'll, we'll heal that. You won't want porn anymore. And I was like, okay. And all he had me start doing, he, he laid me down, covered, blindfolded me, and had me do breathing. He said me start doing this breathing, and then he says to me, "We're gonna feel everything." He says, "All your life you've been taught not to feel. We're gonna feel everything today. Everything that's inside you, we're gonna feel it all." And then he had me start breathing a little faster, and it was—I'm like sixty seconds into the thing, and all of a sudden I start going, ah, and I go, "What is happening?" And he goes, "Just relax, stay in it, keep breathing, keep breathing." And all of a sudden, like I started, all of this emotion started pouring out. I started sobbing, my whole body arced up in the air, and I was freaking out and I'm and he's just sitting there next to me calmly going you're doing great stay in it <laughs> keep reading yeah see see, Seth notes Floyd that's why he's laughing because he's this old old well, he's not old he'll hate it if I say that but he's a it he's an old alaska native man and he's got his, he's very calm and very quiet and but he just says just stay in it keep breathing stay in it and i basically screamed like bloody murder for like 10 minutes and oh then it started God, to dissipate that's... and slow down and slow down and then he walked me through a space in my in my past and through this grieving of our father was killed when we were 12 he started walking me through some of these things and helping me kind of speak truth to some of these moments and at the end of it he said now he presented this 12 year old boy. I'm blindfolded the whole time. I made this 12 year old me in front of me. And he says, we're going to welcome this back into you. And I embraced this 12 year old me. It comes back into my body and I passed out when it happened. I actually hit the ground. And I, when I woke up, I'm in this crazy space where I was like, I felt like I had new skin in my body. And I'm like going, what did you do? And he goes, I didn't do anything. He said, you did it. And I was like, Okay. And I'm leaving and I walk out of the the, the, the therapy center and I'm, I'm looking up in the air and I'm seeing like snowflakes coming by and I can see like the crystals and stuff like that. <laughs> I can see the shapes of them and I'm like tripping out. And he told me, he goes, yeah, you're going to see kind of weird stuff. He goes, uh, because you kind of went through a big process. He says, and you kind of woken up a little bit. He goes, so don't talk about it. Nobody will understand it. And here I am. Telling you and all your,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and I don't.
2: (laughs) Right, right, and I didn't either. I didn't either. Except for that, when you start to, when you, when all of a sudden you kind of go through that shift, and you start, and then all of a sudden you realize, like, you don't care about porn anymore. Like it was gone. Like two by by two weeks of uh, after that, like I literally my addiction is completely gone, and I'm kind of in this space where my experience now is completely outside of all that I understood, and so my. All of a sudden belief, ha- it's like it's like your belief system kind of explodes and you didn't ask it to. I didn't go there for my belief system to blow up. You know, I had a very strict Pentecostal belief system and it disappeared. And all of a sudden I'm in a space where I ha- i don't know what I believe anymore because I just had an experience outside of the church and outside of a Christian quote unquote paradigm. But here I am and I'm healed. Mm-hmm. Like I feel amazing. And this is what Jesus was talking about. Jesus is Jesus is not walking around as a Christian. Right. You know what I mean? He's, he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't like, Hey, come to church this Sunday and we're going to pray for you. He wasn't doing any of that. He was going from village to village, declaring that the kingdom of God had arrived. It was here now, even though everybody was still looking for it and just healing everybody he saw. He's going boom, 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 boom. And that. he's going, yes. And, and, and so what I start I start reading the scriptures all of a sudden and I'm reading the, the the, you know, the gospels and I'm seeing this guy and I'm going, wow, this isn't I'm no longer reading this through a religious paradigm. I'm reading this through a powerful spiritual paradigm and going, oh, we're actually supposed to do this stuff, <laughs> right? We're supposed to actually, like, like healing is a real thing. And we're actually, why don't, why aren't we seeing it? And Seth and I started having these conversations about, like, where's the real power? Where is it? Who's healing who? What's happening? Why, why am I not walking into this homeless shelter and going, boom, healed, boom, healed, alcoholism gone? Do, why are we not doing that? Because Jesus said to his disciples, you will do greater things than I did. Greater things he didn't even say same level you kind of be around there don't try <laughs> water it's too hard he wasn't doing any of that he mm-hmm. was saying you're gonna do greater things and why in the world would he say that yeah unless we were actually supposed to be doing it and I look around and I don't see I don't see Joe austin doing it I don't you know I don't none of them and so we started asking those questions going do we really believe this stuff
3: I sometimes think the greater is numerical instead of or quantitative instead of qualitative, but that's a whole different discussion. I think it's super <laughs> ironic. Yeah. Uh, I love the story and I think it's super ironic when it comes to porn. The 12-year-old boy is the problem for me. I want the 12-year-old boy out of here because he's the one that started masturbating and looking at porn. Fascinating though. Right, and, and <laughs> it is I, crazy.
2: It, if you read our book and there's this little meditation that you do in there. You can You can actually go into that space. Yeah. And you can ask you can ask Jesus to be there with you.
0: Yeah, they're saying you would address that
2: exactly that. You can actually go right back. Instead of
0: separating at that point like you did and said that's the bad Joey and the good Joey and you know, put it all back together. You
2: can go back into that space right now, bro. Like you can just sit down and close your eyes and you can actually sit there as an adult. You can walk into that space. Ask ask Jesus to be with her with you. Watch that twelve year old boy looking at porn. Just watch him.
1: Yeah, well, I think you guys all missed it. Joey just loves twelve year old boy sexual jokes. (laughs) That's his favorite.
2: (laughs) I don't understand what Joey's talking about.
1: (laughs) What's really cool about this too is what what I like about this idea too is instead of I'm waiting on God to leave the spiritual world and come here to my reality, you guys are saying a reality is that the the spirit of God is inside of it, that the kingdom is with us now. And it's not like God comes to us. He already has like he's with us. It's not, we're waiting on God to do something. We're just not accessing it. And also at the same time, when you guys come, have y'all, have y'all ever come to the South and see like old Baptist ladies and they just think you guys are the craziest people in the whole world. Like I can't imagine <laughs> a overweight Forty-nine-year-old Baptist woman shaking and calling her twelve-year-old self, or something like that. Right. The people, people you are aren't cool? ready for it. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just not ready. Are they? It's you know, scary. It's, it's scary. It sounds to some it, Well, it's, it's, it's scary. Gender, yeah.
2: It's scary because there are things within us all that are are heavily, heavily resistant to any type of actual transformation. I mean, yeah, if you think about yeah. it this way, if you just think in terms of of you know, let's say the enemy or whatever term you want to use about the spiritual world or the kingdom of darkness or whatever it is. Is very invested in us. Just keep going to church. Right. Go to your accountability group. Right. Get your software. Keep going. Go go. Keep doing that shit until you until you're ready to blow your brains out. And then double down on your beliefs and keep going. And then get every man's bottle and keep going. It's very invested in that. And they're fine with that because what they don't want to experience, what what the enemy, or whatever like phraseology you want to use with that, does not want to see is people happy. <laughs> that's the problem. When people are happy. And that's and that's the issue. Like you'll 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 come in and you'll go, I once was blind and now I see. And they'll go. Well, yeah, but that's the devil. I mean, I've had yeah. people say that to me. I've had actually, people, I had a guy tell me that this is, I, I said, let me get this straight. He actually, hey, I want to buy you a beer sometime. Oh, yeah, oh, great. Okay. And he sits down and he starts explaining to me how everything that I've experienced is from the devil. I said, wait a minute. You're telling me that the devil, this is the exact words I used You're telling me the devil healed me from addiction, heavy clinical depression, anxiety. Like I had tics and stuff. I had major anxiety disorders. Is healing my marriage, is transforming my life, healing me from poverty. You're saying the devil would do that? And he goes, yes. And I go, we're all fucked then. (laughs) (laughs) He just goes, what? I go, what chance do we stand? If the devil can do that, what chance do we stand? We have no chance whatsoever to ever ask our beliefs to be anything more than an orthodox system of control. At what point in this freaking church, man, do we stop and go, our beliefs, we can ask them to work and we can gauge the truth of them by the experience of them. Because if Jesus said the fruits of the spirit, we're talking about Peace, love, joy, hope, mercy, kindness. That's the kind of stuff that shows up when there's actual fingerprints of God, sure. right? And if we're not experiencing those things, <laughs> Dave's like, preach. If we're not experiencing those things, then we are not experiencing God no matter what we how we dress it up. And, and that's why the mega churches are more and more becoming this kind of product-driven thing. Let's just get more smiley people on stage as much as we can. So these people believe they're being healed. And we come back week after week like addicts. And I'm not saying we don't go to church. I'm saying the church has to become something that helps us with the deconstruction and pushes us out into the world as opposed to trying to give us resurrection without any crucifixion.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense to try to get all your – beliefs. it's as if we need to get all our beliefs and ducks in a row and then confirmed and then uh, aggregate those, get around all the people that have the same ones first. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we can do some work or something could theoretically happen. And we right. spend all our time on that shell game of, of having yeah. teams and point of views instead of individual person that does have access to spiritual power and Jesus himself. And yeah, yeah and nobody will. I mean, I think I do feel like people aren't necessarily ready to do what you're, you guys are saying because that sounds like, oh, that's probably a big component that's missing in my life. I'm not really ready to go to that shaman that, that David was <laughs> talking about <laughs> earlier. But, don't have I, to. Yeah, yeah, don't you have know to. what I mean? like But I've had uh, experiences in my life where, I would definitely wasn't willingly walking into them. This, the most spiritual experiences where I felt changed and walked out the door and things looked different, they weren't ones that I just, you know, either something has to drive you there. It's a lot, often it's a negative or a scary experience or a time of desperation when you get to do that. It's very hard to just put
1: that into your nine-to-five. It, it is. Yeah, exactly. You lose, you lose control, too. Yeah, I don't, you don't like you don't it. Have, you don't, like if your body's shaking and you see things differently, i said say you, you're not in control, and that means you, God might be. And that, I don't, that, I don't, people, know, people I don't are, know what it means. People are scary. actually scared of that. People are really scared to let God actually be in control. It sounds good to say, oh, God's got everything. But you're right. You were talking about finances. or what? No, I'm just going to work. I'm going to muscle through this, man up. All this. It, but if God's actually in control, yeah, well, you're actually scared well, the of The other
0: that. thing they said that's yeah. kind of freaky is that oh yeah, we do the worship where God's in control and we respond and it's physical, but that's Sunday morning while you're playing music on stage. That's right. the time that you're allowed to do that. And it's, of course that's not dealing with, right. that's, you know, you're not doing maybe a ton of heavy lifting there. Like you're totally. not really dealing with yourself at 12 and your father. You're just, you're just kind of like, right. I like the tempo. Yep. The guy's got his hands up.
1: Uh-oh, minor you, chord. Minor chord. You know, yes. Praise like, you, Lord. <laughs> like that's, that's just like just enough. Bring it back. To, Bring it back. I'm,
0: not, I'm not demeaning that, but that's just <laughs> yeah. enough for us to go, Yeah. See, I I worship. I connected to the spiritual. I felt something that week. Right. Check. And, and what it you becomes
2: is a, is, a, is a drug kind of distribution sure. system. Yeah. You know I yeah. Mean? And you guys know this because you guys are these beautiful artists and you find that people want to put you into this space where they're going, no, it's your job to deliver an emotional experience for me so I can believe that God actually re- is real, right? Now, yeah. and when you said, Matt, when you said, like, I'm not sure people are ready to do this, The cool here's the cool thing about this entire thing. We're not asking people to do what we did. We tell these stories and we go, hey, we had these crazy stories and, hey, if you want to try it, great. But what we're asking people to do, and when you get into the book, you kind of see, like, what we're asking people to do, take a risk internally and then let the Spirit guide them.
0: Yeah, I dig that. It's a simple way to put it. And I mean, you guys got the book. The book's Feels Like Redemption and yeah, but- My Pilgrimage are the two things. And you have a video series as well. It's called My Pilgrimage, right? Oh, My Pilgrimage yeah. is the video series.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, what, what we've asked people to do, like we actually have a website. It's mypilgrimage.com and, and it's not a public site. You can go there. You can enter in your email address and then then you'll get emails that you send. they send you free videos. They send you all kinds of stuff and it gives you access to everything we've created because we've got online small groups that are that are walking through this material together we have uh, personal coaching that you can walk through this material with somebody that's a personal coach we have the guidebook. We have the film series that goes with the guidebook, and then the book. The book itself is available on Amazon, um, but that's the only thing that's actually available individually on Amazon. The rest of it is actually through the website, and and this is all produced by you know we we wrote all the material, but um, you know Craig and Triplex Church are the ones that are actually have kind of put this entire thing together because sure. this was Craig Craig got the book. I actually sent it to him for an endorsement. He got it called me right away and said, man, we can do so much more with this. Let's do something. Yes, okay. awesome. And, and the first cool. three
1: videos are free right now too, right? If you sign yeah. up, you get the first three videos free. So that's awesome.
2: Yeah. There's a preview film. It's like a 10-minute film. Of the, there's a preview of the entire thing. Then there's a, a one, the first film, which is David actually teaching some stuff. And, and it's, we hiked a bunch of guys up in the mountains and just had a super raw experience. And it was awesome, man. And we just filmed it. So,
1: yeah, and, where, it, where was that at? That the the preview video it looked it looked like deserty. Yeah, it was in Arizona. Actually, hey, I was wondering. mountains in
2: Arizona, but it was pretty it was pretty hardcore up there actually because it was winter. It was January yeah, last it cold. year. It was the winter. It was yeah. cold. Nobody was geared properly except for the Alaska guy, and, <laughs> and and so we were you know freezing our butts off, and and David's rescuing.
1: Was, was, was so, <laughs> so y'all were just actually, y'all were just being total dudes. Hey, let's just let's go out in the desert and film something about porn.
2: <laughs> Craig had a great idea. He's like, we've been trying to figure out how to do this. Are we doing this kind of Rob Bell Newman kind of thing? Are we doing some other stuff? And Craig's like, here's the idea. We just put a bunch of guys in a hard situation and see what happens. And we're like, yeah. okay. And it kind of works with the aesthetic of what we're trying to create. And because and, the whole thing is about pilgrimage, this what we're trying to do. And ultimately what we're trying to do is shift the paradigm. This is not a freaking battle. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can hear I'm passionate about it. If we want war, we're going to continue to fight wars. You, you want it, you get it. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. And so the idea is What if we can turn this thing into pilgrimage, this idea of this sacred journey where we step on a road, we start walking, and we understand that these addictions are not a battle. They are holy and sacred at some level because they are meant to drive us to the deepest places within us. Hmm. So we're going to bless that. And we're going to work in that journey, and we're going to stop fighting a war that just never seems to end. You know, and that's what we're really trying to create with the entire, even just the aesthetic, the design work is all just designed to go, guys. This is not a war.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I understand. That's fair, it's d-
3: fascinating stuff. Is that contradictory to what you experience with Redemption Groups, Matt?
0: No, I was actually feel like it's very similar. I mean, oh. that's a, the in fact, that whole thing that I really enjoy there. It was very similar, in fact. But it's like uh, the whole the whole premise of that of Mike Wilkerson's uh, book Redemption is. It's very similar. Even the artwork kind of looks similar. It's like you go through the Red Sea on your journey through the wilderness for 40 years with God, and then you try to tune out and not believe and don't want to go there, but he's there. You just got to stay. You got to stay with it. So it's very, very similar. And you know, that
2: that whole thing of of your redemption group and stuff like that, it's funny because these accountability groups and men who meet together to give each other strength all over the world and all over the country, that's it's a pilgrimage. They're walking That's together. They right. just yeah, they right just right. have now they just gotta get that shift out of their head and understand that, oh, because the battle mentality means that we 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 win or we lose. And this is not what it's about. I, yeah, this totally is not agree. about yeah, it's not about winning or losing. This is about helpful. Yeah. Is it helpful? Yeah. And, and above all things, and I say this all the time to my kids, I say above all things, God should be helpful.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you
2: right. I think you're right. <laughs> So I just so you know, Craig set up a um, an email address, badchristian at mypilgrimage.com. Perfect. For you guys. And I think he's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you, if, you, if, you, if your listeners want to, want to like, are curious about this, have them email badchristian at mypilgrimage.com, say, you know, hey, sign me up or whatever. And then. So
0: all I'm you have to do, you don't even have to go to a website. You just get well, on your phone. Let's yeah. try. It. Yeah. Craig told me about that too. I thought it was really interesting. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. But you t- you just email, hey, I'm Matt to yeah. badchristian at mypilgrimage.com.
2: That's right. it. Cool. Yeah. Let's, and you get that. some free yeah. stuff and some discounts and that kind of stuff. So, okay. Sounds yeah.
0: good, guys. We really enjoyed
1: talking to you. Yeah, I think yeah. some yeah. fascinating oh, man. stuff. You as well. hey, hey, Matt, you yeah.
2: live in Seattle, right? I do. Let's grab a beer. You got it. Just, yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah, and if it's totally cool, I might have missed some of the point, but I, I'm going to tell my wife. I talked with author Seth Taylor, and he, when he counsels people, the first thing he says is, don't even feel <laughs> bad about the porn you're watching I don't feel bad hey, I, that's yeah, what he told me things on Sweetie. that you
2: my permission you'd let her know
1: <laughs> alright <laughs>
2: we'll, we'll see you guys soon you, uh, then you can go back to every man's bed alright
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, talk to you soon thanks guys alright
2: thanks yeah. man. thank you guys appreciate it Bye.
1: and we're back <clears throat> guys another interview we slayed um oh. We destroyed it. I mean, I think there's blood left on the floor, but it was from just our hearts beating so strong about how good of interviewers we've become. Yeah. I think we're top 10 interviewers in the world now.
0: Who are the, I, who are the top? Who are the other nine?
1: Let's see. Let me think about it. Um, Paula Zahn. Oh. oh my gosh. She's didn't oh. you to have a crush on her. <laughs> That's why I said it that way. Top 10 interviewers. Katie Couric. Um, <laughs> i don't i don't really know any interviews blondes like from
3: morning shows is who he howard likes. stern yeah connie, blondes
1: morning shows connie chung yep maury povich her husband anyway Tom uh, Brokaw. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna mix things up here a little bit dan rather normally i want to walter cronkite i want to bring the truth normally i want to do something where it brightens up the world but you know what i think there's some other truth that i can do and today one of my roving reporters, Matt Carter. I think you have some science truth you might could give us. Oh, you don't want to do the news today? I'm no, I'm going to do the news, but I'm going to shorten it for my my interesting science friend Matt. Science because, friend. Because you were talking to me before the podcast about uh some truth and this is truth. And so I have to respect that no matter what. When somebody can bring the truth, honestly, you just raise the bar. Joey lies, deceit. I appreciate it. Yeah. He's a pastor. Mm-hmm. We all know what that means. So I do it joyfully, though. Yeah, you joyfully lie to people to get their money. (laughs) 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 Oh, all right. So I got. I've
0: always gotten, but I'll roll a science segment upon upon, upon request.
1: I'll take a science segment. Here Here we go. truth, my friend.
3: Astrophysics, chemistry, cellular biology, mathematics, gravitation. Electromagnetism,
0: evolution, and now it's time for science lessons for Christians. Because when it comes to science, Christians are stupid. Okay, well, this time of year, there's a scientific concept, precept, notion, idea, uh, factor mm-hmm. that that is used commonly, and and man. Do I have a hard time with it? And this is the time of year for it, but it's the wind chill factor. The wind chill is measuring how many calories are carried away from a surface of a body, essentially. So it's, okay. so whereas temperature is a, simply a measure of molecular motion, how fast molecules are moving, uh, the wind chill is something that's created in order to describe how cold something feels, Okay, or, or the air temperature feels. It's the cooling of moving air at different temperatures. Okay. Basically, so it was created in 1973. Uh, a formula was created to describe that that effect when you walk outside and it's a certain temperature, and then it, the wind blows and it feels colder than it did, even though the thermometer reads exactly the same. So, created in 1973 to describe that, and then updated the mathematical formula, which I is very ugly looking, but you can look it up. It's hard. To, it's not a simple formula, and um, it was
1: created by Dr. Willie, Dr. Chili, Chili Willie, the doctor. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. And updated in 2001. Now this. It's not a horrible idea to try to describe, to try to do. But the contemporary usage of the windchill factor I find to be absolute bullshit it drives me crazy. It's misused. People love it, though, man. And it drives me insane. And it's, it's completely <laughs> inaccurate. And it makes no sense. And is used horribly and deceptively and fraudulently by people Ooh. every day. That's and some It big drives claims. me crazy this time of year. Some huge claims. The worst offense that could be done is when somebody is to, is to say something along the lines of, you, you get this a lot, hey, it's negative 12 today. And you go, it's <laughs> negative 12, really? And then, yeah, really? It's negative 12? Oh my gosh, is that like a wreck? Well, I mean, you know, wind chill. Wind chill.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: deception at its core. If, right? you, if, you, if you're the person c- claiming the temperature is something. And not specifying that it's wind chill. Because first of all, we're used to the temperature scale. So you've just entered a new scale and not even told us which one you're on. So that at its core is is that. Also, if you if, if you've ever been in 30 degree weather, it was likely not still and when you figure out what it's like to when it, somebody says it's 30 or you look at your thermometer in your car and it says 30 and you step outside and you feel how cold it is, well there's typically wind anyway. So your mental conception of what 30 degrees is already contains some factor mentally of conditions and wind and uh, what is what are the other factors involved? You already have that built in. So you know that so that it's it's fraudulent to, to do it that way. And also think about it this way: if you're sitting in your car and somebody tells you it's negative twelve because it's twenty degrees and there's a thirty mile an hour wind, if you're sitting in your car looking at the dashboard and it says twenty degrees, does the wind chill play in there. No, no, of course not, because the wind isn't coming inside of your car. So a completely, right. I mean, that is not useful if it's if you're inside a built a, a hut outside, if you're inside somewhere fishing, if you're doing something and. Or oh, how about this one? If you have clothes on, wind chill is mitigated. If you're naked, the twenty degree wind is much worse. If you're wearing a wool sweater, right. it's not as bad. If you're wearing a Gore-Tex jacket and a face mask, no, the temperature's twenty, not the wind chill factor because you have a windproof. Right. Stuff on, so all the way around, it just doesn't. It's uh, it's used very, very poorly.
1: And I just looked this up. Windchill does not change the thermometer. Like it doesn't. Of if, course, if it doesn't it, change yeah. the thermometer. It, it, it's saying, yeah, right. So
0: it's it's uh, it would be. It's more accurate to to think of it as. It's it's still more accurate to say. This means more to Toby to say it's twenty degrees, and man, it's actually pretty windy. That is a more accurate for you, right? That actually tells you more information that's useful than a blanket wind chill yeah, I agree with that. thing. I like and, that. Uh, you know, think about this. Heat index is the same one. But think about it this way. Nobody ever says when it's 86 degrees in the summer and there's a 13-mile-an-hour br- breeze, that'd be like somebody, there's a wind chill factor then, is there not? Yeah, yes. Totally. Doesn't it feel cooler? But do, no. Does anybody say, well, yeah. It, does anybody go, it's actually it's 78 degrees? And you go, oh, really? My thermometer says 86. Well, you know, wind chill factor. <laughs> Nobody does that in the summertime. But most assuredly, it's the truth. Yeah. If it's 86 degrees and there's a 20-mile-an-hour breeze, then it's, oh, it the, the feels like temperature is 76. But nobody does that because it's not sensational. Yep. That's what people are looking for is the sensational element to it. The same with the heat index. You love to say it's 103 be- when it's really 98 because then you, you're you that jerk. I mean, you're just like, you, you know, you're gravitating so- towards the sensational to try to prove a point that... And, and it's deceptive and it's fraudulent and knock it off. So I, I, I love it, man.
1: I love it. I agree with you. I'm not saying meteorologists be,
0: it, are the most guilty, but sometimes local news can be. But it's more it, like it, your buddy that just goes, dude, negative 10 today.
1: It's way more beneficial to go.
0: It's cold and, and windy. windy or, they, yeah, oh, good. I have a windproof windy. jacket. So it's just slightly right. cold to me then. Okay. Or right. I better get a windproof jacket
1: or I'll stay indoors or whatever it is. Matt, another great news segment. Uh, yeah. From a roving reporter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Matt, you don't even have to kick my music today.
0: We'll just roll with my music. Yep. And have, you're, since we you already rolled back. You're a good.
1: roving reporter today. It brought some truth. So I, I got one. Well,
0: that'll save us some sound effects.
1: I, I know. Thank God. I mean, we're trying <laughs> to cut corners here to keep this thing afloat. It's unbelievable. Trust me. Just join the BC Club. If, if, you, if you like science with Matt, if you like the damn news, if you want Joey to stay as large and in charge as he is, you better join the, B- the BC club. Yeah, and
3: if you don't, you don't care about God or people getting saved or clean water. Yep,
1: or people burning in torment for one
3: second. nanosecond. A, <laughs> a nanosecond.
1: This comes from the old Huffington Post. An Oklahoma man is horning in on a dubious honor of mugshot of the year. Paul Terry was arrested Saturday after a man told police that he was robbed by two people, one whom was sporting a very unique forehead tattoos the victim described the man with devil horns on uh let's see with devil horns and the words (laughs) f cops f star 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 cops inked what do you think that meant f star 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 it's like is that like for a four-letter word f cops what could that mean fast cops free cops
3: why would they why would they feel cops why would they start out
1: feed cops find cops why would they start out I don't know, Joey. Fake cops. It maybe is bad. I don't know. F cops inked on his noggin, according to news Six Newson6.com. Police said the twenty-six-year-old Terry robbed the ex-boyfriend of his alleged of his of his alleged accomplice, Sonia Moreau, 29 Friday evening. When the victim opened the door of his home, Terry and Mo Moreau allegedly forced their way inside, and the victim told police that Terry threatened to stab him if he didn't give him the money. So here's what I'm thinking. I like tattoos. But I am learning more and more, I guess, like if I commit a crime, my tattoos are like helping to catch me. Joey, you have a tattoo?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I do. Just one? Yep.
1: You ever gonna get any more? Uh probably not. But I believe now, although it can get you in trouble with the police, I think I'm okay with face tattoos. You know what I think. believe? I used, to, okay with face I used tattoos. to think that they would be terrible and I hated them and what I never do you mean saw I didn't okay like, with. I think maybe one day I might even convince myself to get one. Do <laughs> you know what I believe? I, I did I used to not. I used to I'd never do that. I'd never get them <laughs> You're not gonna get a face tattoo. On the on the top of my hand and yeah. fingers, I was like, oh, that makes I can't do that. I'll never do that. And now I'm like, ah, it looks kinda cool. I like no so tattoos I, and hand tattoos I mean, tattoos there's a, a chance lot. I might get a tattoo everywhere. Well, you're not gonna
0: get a face tattoos. You
1: ne- you can't say I won't. Teach Teach them well. And <laughs> I mean, I'm a
0: little we'll tear. Mute Joey and tell me why, what you might get as a face tattoo.
1: Something cool something really awesome that people would I decided
3: do. That's awesome. long ago maybe a big
1: Green Bay Packer or, oh Tiger Paul clubs of
3: Tiger yeah. Paul I, I, I
1: love that this is on video and people can see yeah. what you actually are doing yeah. no
3: matter what they take from me
1: that's the damn news with Toby Morrell. I really don't understand this even at all even a little bit No one can. It's just not understandable. The creator of it has no clue. The creator of this part of our podcast has no clue what he is doing. What the point of it could even be. There is no point. There is no point. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. There's nothing to it. And if it
0: is, it's only us bringing it to attention why it is and making us look right. like we're saying something to him and discounting him that makes him look like what he was doing actually made sense in the first place in any way. <laughs> You're welcome, asshole. You're welcome.
3: Here's this is here's <laughs> what's funny. This is, is bailing you out, If don't you understand? The, I didn't need bailing out. I bailed my own self out by just singing. I just let it ride. Here's what's here's Here's what just as all the greats have done through the years. All the greats. All right, listen, listen. (laughs) Both both of you are shocked that I'm doing it. Not shocked, Toby though. I wouldn't say shocked. I'm not shocked. Disappointing, but I expected expected it. And here's the big here's the big difference is Toby. (laughs) Toby actually has a kind of a smile on his face, like I can't believe this is happening. Matt is just disgusted. Yeah. Yes, you He's are accurate. The look of just hey, before you go, can I have
1: some of your depression medicine. <laughs> just need it after that. Just kind of <laughs> need it.
0: We have too many of these in a row. By the way, <laughs> we're accumulating a high percentage of these lately. I agree. I agree. High percentage of what? <laughs> did she for the end of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs>